Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Today's show is brought to you by Bona Floors. Bona makes it easy to care for your hardwood floors with innovative products that give you a daily clean, a timeless shine, and a lifetime of protection. Water-based solutions and Green Guard Gold Certification ensure a safe product for your family, pets, and our planet. It comes ready to use. Just spray and mop. Bona Hardwood Floor Cleaner is available at most retailers where floor cleaning products are sold on Amazon and on Bona.com. For cleaning tips and exclusive offers, visit Bona, B-O-N-A dot com slash happy hour. You guys, happy October 23rd if you're listening on the day this show comes out. I need to give two shout outs if you'll let me do that for just a minute. First of all, today is my mama's birthday. My mom listens to every single show. So happy birthday, mom. I love you. And I'm so glad that God gave you, I was gonna say God gave you me, but I'm so glad that God gave me you. Happy birthday, mom. I also wanna say that today is 10 years from when my daughter, Story, came home from Haiti and became an Ivy. 10 years, you guys, a whole decade. She was 23 months old when she came home. And oh, her story of coming home is an unbelievable one. Go see on Instagram. I'll put a picture up of when she came home. But happy 10-year coming home day, my sweet baby girl story. She doesn't listen to the show, but maybe she will one day. Today, my guest is Dr. Lena Abujammer. I think Lena is our third doctor to have on the show this year, but she's our first Lebanese guest and the first guest, I think, to officially talk faster than I do. You will love this conversation today. Lena is full of energy and has a dynamic passion for God's word. It was contagious, you guys. Lena is a pediatric ER doctor and founder of Living With Power Ministries. Her vision is to bring hope to the world by connecting biblical answers to everyday life. We mostly talked today about how God led her to begin medical trips to aid Syrian refugees who were displaced by the war. Lena shares how it was from a place of disappointment that God reshaped her heart toward what he wanted for her. Lena's honesty and excitement are incredible. You will be so inspired and so ready to pack your bags and travel with her on another trip. Before we jump into the episode, I wanna ask you, are you on Instagram? Instagram is my favorite social media to connect through, and I would love to connect with you over there. I've been taking a small break this month while I finish writing, which I'm very much for all of us taking breaks from social media. So if you never have, do that. It's so good for your soul. But I'm coming back to social media this weekend. So it'd be fun to see you there. Follow me at Jamie Ivy. Tag me in your posts and stories about the happy hour and my book, If You Only Knew, if you happen to be reading it. I really love connecting with friends on Instagram, you guys. I love seeing what you love about the show. I love seeing you share about the happy hour. So come find me on Instagram at Jamie Ivy. All right, here is my conversation with my friend, Lena. Welcome to happy hour. Thank you. You made it. I did. I'm so happy to be here. To meet the Jamie. The Jamie Ivy show. I love it. (laughs) Um, Let me tell you why I'm excited that you're here. 
Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm excited that you're here because this is new for us. You are. I didn't know who you were till your right. friend Karen told us about you. And we get lots. I don't say this as a private. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, just yeah. A show, it's a show. Every, yeah. We get tons of requests to be on the show. And so we're always looking for things that are new and different. And I, we, Lindsay and I saw you and like, yes, she does stuff for Syrian refugees. Yes. She's a doctor. Yes. She wants to change the world. Yes. So that's awesome. Welcome to the happy hour. Oh, okay. Tell us your name and I need you to say it so that I know how to say it. Well, I still get it wrong. You do. It, I, it's hard. It's hard. It's, I, I say it in a way that the rest of my family resents. I made it, I make it sound a little more Chicago, you know, Lena Abijamra, like I be jamming. I be jamming. I like it. It yeah. has a beat and it sort of, say it but everybody wants to say it, Lena Abujamra. Abujamra. That's, I like Abujamra, like jamming. Abujamra. Yeah. I what like do that. your patients call you? Doctor. Doctor Lena. <laughs> Doctor Lena. Doctor A. Yeah. yeah. Or hey, you. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, give us a little bit of your background. I do know that you and your family came yeah. to America from Lebanon in '87. Yeah. Good okay. job. Look at you. Well, I'm impressed. Yeah, we did. We moved because of the war in '87, and we went to Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is sort of crazy. Uh, we had there's reasons. My dad had was a doctor, had done his training in the United States, which makes him sound a lot more sophisticated than he was at that point. But he grew up in a small village in the south of Lebanon. Just a miracle of God how he even ended up going to the Mayo Clinic to be a plastic surgeon. But it was because of an uncle who had emigrated to um, like West Virginia of all places, and just would send money back home. And mm. they saw potential in my dad. And literally, my dad would like go miles down the street to go to school, and ended up doing well, and eventually became a plastic surgeon, trained at Mayo Clinic, and had a friend who said to him anytime, my dad wanted to go back home because his family was there. He was the eldest son, very typical sort of, um, you know, responsible Middle Eastern man and said, um, uh, stayed there, married my mom. And, but the man had told him, anytime you want to come back and be a doctor here, uh, you can join the practice. And so many years would go by. And because of the war, we ended up moving and um, settled in Green Bay, Wisconsin. When I was 15, I was a senior in high school. So that's a little traumatic uh, at 15, but we did it. Very traumatic. Yeah. So Green Bay, because of the doc, the, the- That was the location because my dad's work and uh, we stayed there. Uh, and I, that's home now. So we're Packer fans. And can yeah. you say it? Go Packers? Like, go back, go. Right. <laughs> yeah, go back, go. Cheese heads. Yeah. <laughs> go Wait, Aaron Rodgers. Cheese heads. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's what we are. There was, it was recently I was invited to speak at an event close to Green Bay, I imagine. Okay. And they're like, and we'll throw in Packers tickets. And oh. I was like, well, I love football. So, okay. but they wanted me to come speak. And like, it was like November or December. And I'm like, that actually that's sounds incredible. miserable. Isn't oh. it cold? No, but the, the, that's a great time of year to get free tickets. It, but isn't it? It's an outdoor stadium. Yeah. See, no, I don't. That doesn't sound. I know. Awesome to I know. Me at all. I, I, I hear you, and I sort of I agree. I mean, there's a debates of how what the best way to. But my dad was the most avid fan, and he would prefer to watch them at home. And there is a huge percentage of Packer fans that believe that because you have you're just so into it. Y'all it's have, like it's a very loud stadium too. It is, but you also get so stressed. Are you going to win or lose? And oh, and so you pacing and uh, it's the worst. It's like your Texas football. Yeah. Yeah. I, but we, you guys are, you have 18 layers of clothes on and we have yeah, very none. minimal clothes because we're sweating our faces <laughs> right. off. No, yeah, no, yeah. we had some people like you guys with no shorts. Have you ever seen those yes, crazy I've people seen them. on TV? They're crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But actually, you know what I'm going to say this about Texas Longhorn games? I'll go to the games and I'll take me and my kids. I'm 41. Yeah. I see these college girls walking around like they're about to go to the club. That's funny. <laughs> and they're going to a football game. I'm like, girlfriend, put some clothes on. Right. 
Okay. Right. So this is my little. My, that's my, just that's just my church. No, that's my <laughs> that's my PSA for the young ones. Uh, okay, so ended up in Green Bay. Yeah, senior in high school. Yeah. You're 15 though. You're young. Do you go to college right after I that? I did. Yeah, I went. I went to college, and the Lord, like we were Christians. That's um, another question. Yeah. I was so ask. we grew up. My mom came to Christ in college, and so she sort of started the. She was Greek Orthodox. I mean, so she wasn't. She just they were not church. They would go a couple times a year and very religious in some ways, but no faith. No, you know, trust in the Lord Jesus as personal Savior and as Lord of our life. And so she has that change in college through reading and St. Augustine's Confessions made a huge impact in her life. So she ends up uh, marrying my dad, who is a very, again, good Greek Orthodox man, but not a follower of Jesus. But we grew up in a very missionary church. Like my mom had quiet time with us. I, I came to Christ through that time where yeah. she would share the gospel with us. And we grew up going to church, moved to Green Bay and went to camp the year after my senior. So I moved July, went to high school and I went to camp and really the Lord just Got a hold of my heart in a, a very personal way then. I, I knew intellectually, who, I actually had received Christ. I remember being a child and, and knowing I was saved. But in Lebanon. In Lebanon, and then got baptized in Tulsa. We would come back and forth for our green cards. I and mean, we were, you know, all this stuff that we go through to become eventually an American. And so, um, but camp changed my faith. I think part of it was I was 16. I grew, I, I was, every child who grows up in a Christian home, there comes a point where you sort of understand it, but there has to be an awakening. Yeah. I would call it like an awakening. Mm-hmm. And so I think that happened to me at camp that summer. And it really set the path of my life. I think now about calling and I go back to that point, even though I wouldn't have called it my calling, For sure. but I started living my life as if it was no longer mine. Now, at 16 at camp. Yeah. Camp. Where, Lord, where do you want me to go co- co- to college? Where do you, what do you want me to study? Wh- what am I going to do? Okay. I started getting a hint, uh, like this hint, I was going to be a doctor and like, uh, and for many reasons, but, but I thought, well, okay, I guess I'll be a missionary doctor. So it was my, my thought, my filter changed at mm. camp. And so, yeah, I went to college and I went to a Christian college in the South. And then where'd you go? Uh, you, how, how, how exciting do you want this show to be? Bob Jones University, which most people who meet me would not believe that, but that was my alma mater. Did not have much uh, in terms of football and, and among, among other Where things. Where is that? It's Greenville, South Carolina, the okay. Bible Belt. Okay. But, you know, I went there. Uh, it's so funny thinking back. A lot of people are surprised by the fact that I went there, although I, I loved going there and and I still hold, you know, I'm not embarrassed by it. And although it sounded like I was a minute ago, but, <laughs> but I mean, it's like, imagine me going to med school from Bob Jones. First, it was not accredited. And people would be like, they thought it was a joke. Like, yeah. right? There's no college called that. But we got a great education. And I went because my mom had conned me into applying to Christian college when I was a senior in high school before I encountered the Lord in a fresh mm. way. And so I was just, I didn't know. I was yeah. fresh off the boat, you know? And so and so my mom wouldn't get off my back. And I'm like, mom, just, and she did it because she knew, that's the only college we knew that was Christian. My pastor in Lebanon had gotten a PhD there or something. Okay. And so so we apl- I applied there and I put it out of my mind. And then I go to camp and the Lord used some counselors who had been from there in my life at the time. And so I, I, I saw the divine providence, yeah. so to speak. And so now I felt like God was like, I want to go to Christian college. And, 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 and I thought, well, there is that Bob Jones mm-hmm. thing. And I, I didn't know, for. I mean, like I wore jeans every day to my high school, every day uh-huh. of my senior year. I didn't know you couldn't wear jeans. Oh, you can't wear jeans at Bob I Jones. Did, and I don't know what the rules are now. I haven't been very avid alumni. Like, I don't know very much. I think you still have rules. Very conservative. Very conservative. Very. Like people joked about the blue sidewalks, the, the pink true. sidewalks. And so I, 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 I remember coming home from camp and, and it was a big deal. We had sent the money into the other college and how my dad, who was a new believer at that time, agreed. All of it. It was just too much for our Lebanese family. Like, 
like, what? And then I come home and I'm about to pack for college and I find out you can't wear jeans and I had a heart attack. And then that year, my first year of college, you had to wear a hat every week. Why do you have to wear a hat? To church. I don't know. A respect thing. You know, the whole New Testament debates about... The Whatever, just scripture. Go with it, yeah. Anyway, and so I had a heart attack and thought, you've got to be kidding me. And so I ended up going, but I went knowing knowing it was where the Lord wanted me. And so I had a great experience. I did. We It's a great education. I got into medical school. I felt God's hand really shaping. I, I To this day, I, I have friends from there that are wonderful, but it was a definite uh, culture shock, I bet. to say the least. Where'd you go to medical school? Wisconsin. I went back home to the Medical College of Wisconsin and then came to Houston yeah. for my residency and then Florida for and my then fellowship. And Florida for your yeah. fellowship. And then you went back to. I went back to Chicago and practiced. Um, in my, so my pra- so in fellowship is when the Lord called me to um, to ministry. Really, I felt as at, before then I knew the Lord owned my life, but I, I I didn't know what that would look like. And for a season, I thought it was medical mission, and I. I even look back and I think, how was it so hard to get into that? But it seemed like you. Then the biggest obstacle in my mind was that you had to raise support, and I just couldn't fathom how my dad, Lebanese culture, he had put me through medical school. And, and then just, you're going to ask I just for money? Yeah, I just couldn't. I just, it wasn't, I wasn't there. I felt like God, you're going to have to show me differently. And then I did apply, I tried to be a Southern Baptist, which I was going to Second Baptist in Houston at the time. So when I thought, you were doing your residency? Because they paid for their missionaries for a couple of years. And I thought, what? Well, and it just, they didn't, that didn't flow. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't flowing. And, and so I got engaged in my residency, broke off the engagement two weeks before the wedding, sort of had this, oh yeah, minor detail. Sort of had this like, whoa, you know, everything was so easy. You know, like I was young, doors were opening, bam, obedient, going to, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'd done everything I was supposed to do. And then it was like, everything started like falling apart in some ways. And I was like, God, what is happening here? And so, and and, and in, in that season of residency, the big problem that I sort of had to overcome was, wasn't so much just that part of my story is that I was in love with a guy I met at Bob Jones, but I didn't know, I couldn't use those words. I'd met him, he became a doctor, I became a doctor. We went to different places for medical school, stayed in touch, daily talked, like we were, we were best You're gonna friends. You're going to get married. You're going to marry him. Everybody thought we were. Except he and I were young and I was 16 in college. So now we go to residency, we match in the same place, but I go and date this other guy and I get engaged and I do everything you're not supposed to do. Long and short of it is two weeks before the wedding, I see the light, I break off the engagement thinking God's going to restore relationship number one and God does not. Mm. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And I, and I kept holding out. You know, I was like those girls, like I have a verse writing in my journal, like God's going to come through. We're in the waiting season. This is all good. You know, it's like a football game and you just know at the yeah. last minute, the Hail Mary, it's going to be, you know, and, and it didn't. And, 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 the, and then he met somebody and then he was dating her. And then they, and I kept thinking, God's going to end that relationship. It's all going to work out. And so I go to fellowship, just heartbroken. Really as does close Does guy number to, one know where you're holding out for him? Oh, yeah, he did. I mean, and, and yes, it's complicated, but yes, we were, yes. Okay. Which was humiliating. You get all, and since then, of course, I I tell that story when I preach a lot. So, I mean, in different forms. So, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. he and his wife are my Facebook friends. They're wonderful. I mean, God has used it. But it's, but it's like 25 it's years 20, ago. Yeah, 25 yeah. years ago. And it's, but it's like, and you heal and you're like, you know, you look back and you see God's hand, but still there are moments where you kind of look back and go, how did it become yeah. such a mess? And I know on one level, your brain understands that God redeems everything for good. You see that, but it also is puzzling in some ways. I think if, if a Christian is honest, like I don't think you always understand everything. It's like people who lose their children and then God uses in ministry. Like, you know that it's working out for good. Your kids may be in heaven, but it never makes that much sense to you. Right. That is that to me. So in fellowship, I'm dealing with that. And so I'm uh, externally, you know, 
I'm faking it. Like I'm doing great. And I love my new career. I love the You're ER. You're dying on the inside. Yeah, I was. I really was. And I, I write about that in my first single, the book, first book I wrote, which was on singleness. And it was such a hard season. And so out of it though, the Lord started meeting me very personally. And, very, and I, I, I was, one of the advantages of Bob Jones is it really instilling you the disciplines. And I needed the disciplines in that season because for the life of me, I wouldn't have known how to talk to God if I didn't know to get up in the morning and sit in front of my Bible and read. Mm. Even though for weeks, it made zero penetration into my heart. I was so mad at God. I, I was less mad at the guy. I felt like God could have changed him. Right. And I, my trust was never in the guy. It was in the Lord. Yeah. And I felt God had spoken to me about something. But God was slowly showing me, A, at the idols in my life, I think that there were some issues of idolatry. I had valued so much a relationship that was really not meant to be, and, and, and God was getting gaining back my heart. And secondly, I think God was setting up the stage to my calling. And so I'm doing my fellowship, and I, God starts healing me, and I started was, I was offered through, again, a miraculous thing. God used people in the church, and that story is pretty funny, but you can read about it in the book. But basically, like how God reached through the church community— to get me back really integrated into the church. I started teaching a Bible study at church. And that's when- This in is that, in Florida. In Florida, during my fellowship, in those last two years, it's just three-year fellowship. In the last two years is when I was really getting involved in the church, teaching the Bible. And it just clicked when I started teaching the Bible. Like, this is what I'm created to do. And so that started that journey. And for the past, that was 2001, two-ish. And then I moved to Chicago, which was not my design. I would have stayed there in that church and done what I felt God had opened the door and was flourishing. And I had favor among- you know, the people in the church, but the Lord, again, just uprooted me and put me in this town where my sister lived, but, but just felt also like another stab, like, God, okay, now we've dealt with the guy. And now I, now I give you everything. And now you're like, what? It's like, what is this? And so I wrote the second book called Stripped, which is really on that season of like how God, when God's call turns from yes to why me and sort of now you're like all in. And so you think you said yes. And now it's like, what more could go wrong? But God is just getting started with your journey. And so those 20 years uh, is when I've started doing what I'm doing now, which is the ministry of teaching and speaking. And, and now, of course, the past four years, why I'm here is the Syrian refugee work that has landed me in missions now. And all those years, years later, later, where you thought that's yeah. where you were going to yeah. be. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. 
Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. So for the past 20 years, you've been doctoring. I've been, well, I still doctor, so I, but it's transitioned from acad- academia. I did that for nine years when I moved, I went to Children's Memorial Hospital, had a great career there. And in fact, started, I still had a hunger. I was doing a lot of mission trips. I started their international program with a friend of mine. We went to Tanzania, did a lot of work there. So just really got very active in that. But my heart, I was teaching. I started, I, it took a couple of years, but I got, found a church, started being in the church and teaching and God again, confirming the call. And, and it was, uh, from there, I went to the community hospital, which was sort of still working in the pediatric ER. I did that for another nine years, and um, but you were, but you didn't have to account for your time outside of the ER. So you would show up. So the difference between academia and the community hospital is that with academia, you're sort of a professor. You have to be there physically, uh, do projects, yeah. be with the residents. Whereas in the community hospital, you just do your shifts and you go home. And so in that nine-year period. I became the women's ministry director at my church, which was a mega church in Chicago. And in that season, I also ended up leaving the church. I quit the, the job because it was time. It wasn't for any other reason. And then surprisingly, I ended up leaving the church and things have blown up in that church in the last year. So now a lot of the reasons why I left make a lot more sense. But it was also in that season that I started writing books. And, and when I left the church, I felt again, so now we're 18 years into this and I'm thinking like, like, I think my story's been a lot of disappointment along the way, but but a, an understanding that, you know, it's funny. I just watched a Stephen Colbert interview and punishments are from God or what. And and, it, and I so resonate because I think, and I know a lot of people who are in pain right now who hated that interview and I saw the chatter on Twitter, but but he's so right. And every single point of pain has been 
just a complete, like, like every, the bigger, the, the crisis that I've had has been God reshaping me to where he wants me next and him taking me to a deeper level of understanding and of worship of who he is and of knowing him more. My prayer has always been to have a deeper intimate walk with the Lord. And so, and so out of the brokenness, my, my, I, I, I tell people sometimes I felt more pain leaving my church after feeling like I'm in ministry and this is my path and I've given up so much to be in ministry and I have so many dreams of ministry. Now I leave the church, which was my only connection. I'm not some random doctor who's teaching the Bible say, here I have this connection with a church that's pretty well known. And my first book was coming out then. My second book was touted to come out like three months later and like... I blow it all up by leaving like an idiot, but it was the right thing to do. I don't regret that. And it was in that season in a just devastated again, where I just turned to the Lord again, a lot out of habit, but also because where else do you go? And, 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 and I wish I could say that I could look back and go, oh, I did it before. And now it's all. That's what I was going to ask. You've good, right? But but, but it's not, you know, it's not, doesn't work that way. Emotionally, you almost feel every time it's almost like Satan takes joy to be like, see, 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 God doesn't, isn't so faithful. And he's not, you know, going to come through for you. And so you kind of go back to the blocks. And I remember sitting with my friend, Tina Wachke and saying to her at dinner, and I don't cry a lot. You learn that skill in the ER. Like you have to not cry a lot. You cry later if you allow yourself to think too much, but you have to be strong. And I remember tears coming down my face. And I remember telling her, like, I think the ministry's over. I couldn't see how, how- At your church that you were at. Oh, like I just, to me, they were, even though I had my own ministry by now, I had a website and a min- I had incorporated, I had Living With Power as our ministry and and I was blogging, doing all the things, but I just didn't know anybody. Like, you know, I just, well, I was no one. And like, I thought, you know, what am I going to do now? My books will go out, like three people are going to buy my books. And this is a joke. I didn't, I, don't, I still don't know how that whole thing works. And so- but I remember just being so sad. Like I, I understood not getting married. I understood it. I actually, by then I had gotten engaged again and ended that engagement for just because it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. And we both were mutually good with that. But, but still I like you accept your singleness, but I couldn't accept how I want to do ministry so much. Isn't that what God wants? And whatever our idea, we shape an idea of ministry that may or may not be his idea, you know, but we think, and also it may be his idea, but it may just be, so I never thought at that time that I would do anything with Syrian refugees. This was 2012 when the refugee crisis was just starting. At the time I had met and was hanging out with Chris Kane, who was doing a lot of work with like uh, the A21. They were still smaller, although she was pretty well known from the beginning, but like they're not what they are now, which is huge. But I remember being like, I just didn't have a, I loved the work, but I just didn't see what I would do there. And so I just, if anything, that felt more like, oh, great. Like, look, I'm even friends with her and I can't even figure out what I'm going to do in ministry. Like, and like, you know, and like the whole thing was just, so I, I ended up um, just waiting in a sense by default, not because I want to, who wants to wait? You ever been to debate? Like we have to take a number yeah, of my- Yeah, it's the worst. Meet, you just meet. watch it. Yeah. And you're just like, and you're waiting not because you want to, because you don't have a choice. Yeah. You're just like waiting for the days to pass. And then two things happened that year. It was such a God thing. One, Moody called me and asked me to be on their- um, to, no, to host a singles minute called Today's Single Christian. And at first I was like, you've got Moody to Radio. be kidding. Moody Radio yeah. in Chicago. They're based out of Chicago. Yeah. And, and I thought, Are you serious singleness? Like, I don't, I don't want anything. Like I'd written my book. I did my time for singles, right? right. Like yes. I'm not that person. Like every, <laughs> I don't want to be the poster child. And so I go home and I pray about it. And then God's like, you're doing this. And I, and, and I had told them, I said, I'll do a minute, no problem, but I'll do it on what I want. And so, and I tell them I wanted a faith and culture. And so they gave me, so I write, on anything I want, but it's housed under today's single Christian for singles. So it's turned out to be pretty good, but I still do that. And then the second thing is my friend Libby, who's a pastor's wife in Grand Rapids. She's actually Joe Stoll's daughter, Libby Van Solkema, emailed me and asked me to go with them to Jordan. 
And it was a vision trip, which I always laugh. It's what people do when they have no idea what they want to do. And that trip was so fun. You know, God just sometimes does fun things in ministry. Not all, I mean, sometimes ministry is hard, but sometimes it's fun. And that was a fun trip. I met a dentist and his wife who are now, who I work with regularly when I go to Lebanon. We, all of them and I felt like Jordan wasn't necessarily the right place. And so I planned a trip to Lebanon after. Honestly, I was just looking for ways to serve the Lord. Like I think so much about how you start anything for God. And sometimes you get a voice in your head. Other times God makes it, you know, a lot of people I talk to, I do, I have a podcast. I talk to people about ministry, you know, Arthur, like, oh, I saw a farm. Next thing I know, we had 75,000 people show up. You know, not, that's not my story. I'm that person who's like, nothing looks like it's working out. Everything I try seems to fail, but yet somehow God builds a story. Right. And it's annoying because you sometimes feel like, well, if I don't have their story, maybe yeah. my story is rubbish. But I, I, I didn't, still after Jordan, I was still like, well, now what? And I didn't care. Like, I didn't, I hate to say, I didn't care that much about refugees per se. It wasn't like I cared as much about them as I did the Americans. I, I loved everybody. I didn't, you know, yeah, it wasn't like it I wasn't was like, on your brain. my whole life, I'm going to go save a refugee woman. And no, it wasn't, that wasn't my story, but I just wanted to serve Jesus. And I thought, well, I guess I'll go to Lebanon on a vision trip of my own. <laughs> that was my plan, right? I'm like, God, I don't know. I'm fishing here. So I literally, I go and I tried to, to do some Bible teaching in Lebanon at the time. And the guy I was meeting with probably thought I was an idiot. And I could tell that, you know, you ever talk uh-huh. to someone, you're like, I think they think I'm an idiot. Yes. Two minutes later, you're going, had those yeah, yeah. I'm like literally you. two minutes into the conversation. So I like, sh- like fish and I'm like, do you know any publishers here? And he's like, yeah. And as a matter of fact, they're down there and points me to the lady. I go down and meet the lady who happened to be in the office and she we talk about my two books that I was trying to do something. I was trying to do anything like, and, and I'm not, I don't know that you have to do it this way, but I'm a doer. I'm a, uh, I just like, I can't, like if God says to me, just sit on this side and wait, it's like, what have I done to you, God? You <laughs> yeah. know? And like, I just need to fix a problem and I'm happy. So basically we got my books translated into Arabic. We planned a conference a year later in Lebanon, still no, I mean, I, I was curious about the refugees. I believed God was building this interest. And I started doing a podcast in the US in Arabic. For one year, I did it, not knowing why God would want me to do that. But but I honestly, I was looking for stuff to do. And I and I have a lot of energy. You can tell that, obviously. And I, and I, and I wanted to use it for the Lord. And I could do it. And someone challenged me to do it. And I thought, they challenged me to do one. And I thought, I'll do a whole year. Yeah. But that was the only reason I was able to go back and do a conference in Arabic because now I was teaching in Arabic on the podcast, but the Lord was growing. I was thinking, who would listen to this podcast? And I thought, well, Muslims in the US may. And so I started thinking more about the opportunity of people that need to be reached. The Romans verse where Paul talks about, I want to go where no one is. Like that really resonated with me. Like I really want to, fine, the American audiences don't, want me and, and, and which was maybe a self-made lie, but you sort of say that right. like, okay, fine, I'll yeah. go find, you know, the people that nobody's going to. Yeah. And so, and so that year when I went to do the conference, I asked someone, Hey, who's doing like the real stuff with refugees? Like, like show me the stuff we see on the news. Where are those refugees like that? And they're like, Oh yeah, it's 45 minutes from Beirut. Just go meet this guy. He was the brother of one of the ladies who was coordinating our event. And he's actually very, uh, very vested. I mean, he, his church is in the town where all the refugees walked over. And this was literally in the two years when all the refugees were walking over, like for a span of about four years that migration was happening uh, over the mountains, they would walk over and land in that church. And so the church had, God had used the church to do a lot of work with them. So I went and met him and I knew, you know, people say when I met my husband, I knew him. Yeah. I knew when I got to that church, like this was our site. I texted my friends, the dentist and his wife. And I said, I think I found our site by faith. They said, yes. Later they heard who the pastor was. They said, we were just at a conference like three weeks before and they had serendipitously, divine province uh-huh. again, had met him. 
So there, his name was like, oh my gosh, this is the yeah, guy we, we just, just met. met. So, so October three years ago was, what is this? 2016 was our first trip. So three years ago. And now month. we are already doing our 12th trip. Wow. The, and, then, and then we started just thinking medical dental, but in the course- To go to that church where yes. you met that man to work with the refugees. Again, uh, and how that came about, again, no, zero intelligence of mine, zero planning of mine. Again, I am like- one of the, if you know any ER doctors, we don't do a lot of things well, but we can fix problems quickly. Okay. I, I, I hope you do a lot of things well when I show up in the Even, ER. But, but, but really our best is like, yes, thank you. But, <laughs> but our best is like packaging, like coming up with a solution. Quickly. Yes. We, we are fixers, you know, yeah. generally, like there's very few, we, I don't, you know, as long as you're going to live today and, you know, I'm, I mean, I, like in a sense, people are like, well, don't you miss the patient contact down the road? And I'm like, A, there's a lot of bounce backs in the ER. So you see a lot of them. But B, no, that's why I'm an ER doctor. <laughs> I'm going to fix you and send you on. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's great. But when I went to Lebanon, I don't, didn't even have honestly that much vision. My vision wasn't to be a, a Syrian refugee world saver or, or a global ministry of anything. I mean, I admired people who had that vision. I really wanted just to teach the Bible. Mm. This is the thing that brought me to life. And, 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 I, and I wanted to serve Jesus. And I thought when he called me, that's what he wanted me to do. So my brain was so narrow. And even when I left women's ministry, I just couldn't fathom what else God would do where the tears, like, really? It's like you leave over, a church. Yeah. Now you look back and go, Jesus, grow up. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, there's so many ways to serve Jesus. It's not like a... Exactly. But you, at the In time, the moment. you feel like your life is over. Yeah. And so what, what happened was the dentist was very smart. He and his wife had done a lot of work overseas. And I remember the second trip we went, we planned the first and we had a great time. And they said, let's go again. We planned the second trip. And then they go, come, we're going to meet the guy who runs the stuff on the ground. And I said, okay, we went to meet and they got their calendars out. And I'm thinking in my head, like, dude, why are they getting their calendars out? Like, I'm They're not, like, let's plan know. the next trip. They were like, no, let's plan for a year. And I thought, are these people crazy? I love them. But I was like, Rosa and John, are you guys crazy? Like, I'm like, I don't plan. A, I'm single and I'm like, you know, it's just a plan. I go whenever I feel like. And B, like planning is like committing. And like, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. B, like, I'm like thinking. And C, I was like, I knew how much it was costing us to go every time because we were paying for meds and, you know, everything. And so the cost is the highest is the meds and running the clinic. And, and I thought, are they crazy? Like, where am I going to come up with this money? Same, like I had been through translating our like books. Like how much of money? Each trip costs about 10 grand, it yeah. ends up being. We see about a thousand patients. So we estimate about $10 a patient a trip. So, and, and generally now our capacity went from like about 500 to now we see about a thousand each week in a five day clinic. And so, and the, most of those are non-dental. The dental cost is lower. It's the medicines, it's the refills, but, um, but the Lord's been good. And, and so this is the thing, you don't, like we're not, I'm not that ministry that got like a million dollar check, but I have gotten like, 10 and 20,000 random, like once a year, we'll get that, but enough to like go, okay, there's God is like, this is not us being crazy, but we get a lot of five and 10 and $20, a lot. And we'll do, and we, we just social media campaign, like I'm the worst fundraiser, right? So, but at the time I'm sitting in that room going, okay. So I'm like, you know, sort of like too polite to be like, I'm like, okay, here's a calendar. And like, I write it down and, and, and I didn't see a thing yet. And it was like a year later, people like see you doing a thing, mm, right? Before you, you could see it. Yeah. You're thinking, oh, I'm just doing medical mission trips. And they're like, oh, you're the person who does your refugee work. And so I started getting interviews on radio and talking about it on radio. And then, and then a year after starting to go, now the church is vested in us because they see us and we were, we're their best team. No offense. They say that. I'm not saying that about us. Like we are their best team. A, American doctors are excellent. First of all, I, I, I'm really not, spe I mean, I, I believe I'm an excellent doctor, but 
I, don't I want also to sound want proud. all my doctors to think they're excellent. I, correct, so first but of all. but there is some way about working in the U.S. that is very unique, and so we do really well. Any I've, I've traveled with groups, we do this really well. We're trained, our thinking, our way of organizing, and so our groups do really well. And God did a lot of things for us. There's a nurse now who's there full time. Her husband is a PT. She's Lebanese. He's Egyptian, and they felt called to be there. After a year and a half of us going, she landed the job. Like she was missionary there, and so she has been a huge aspect of yeah. our of our work. And so a year after we started to go, the pastor there, who was in charge of a lot of the work, um, who I hear from about every week or two, was like, hey, Lena, and every project that we've done there has started with Nazi coming to me and going, hey, Lena. And that particular conversation was as I, my suitcase is my hand, going to the car that's taking me to Beirut to go to the US in a few hours. And he's like, wait, 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 before you go, I want you to think about something. Will you take on, will you help us? You've seen now, you've been here a few times. Help me say, he, this guy wasn't the head pastor. He's the head of discipleship. Uh-huh. So he, he's, it was his brainchild to do work with Syrian refugees. He's, his background was Syrian, but he's grown up in Lebanon. And he had a vision to help the Syrians. He presented it to his pastor who said, pray about it. A week later, they were given a $50,000 donation by someone and their work started that way. Uh, and so he says to me, but those funds were being used for like the school that they've started yeah. and the distribution center. But what was lacking was the benevolence fund right? So it's the random, you go to church and someone has a need and they find him and they're like, dude, my dad's sick. My brother lost the apartment. Like a lot of them were just coming to Christ and they were being persecuted for their faith. One family was kicked out of the tent community, Mm. which was sort of, which is sort of a stable community living in a tent. You know, it's, it's in some ways I prefer it to the apartments, but they don't know where to go. And so the church is like, well, what do they do? Like there's no extra funds. And so he says, would you pray to take on five families, just five? And we sat down and did the math in those five minutes. And I, he didn't even know. And we, I was like pressing him a little. And I said, all right, let me pray about it. I go in the car and on the plane. And I thought, well, and here's a lot of my work in Lebanon has started. I thought, okay, Lord, well, worst case, we estimated $200 a month, a family. And I said to him, we could take it on maybe for a couple of years. And I thought, worst case, I could cover that. Yeah. Right. I mean, and by then God had given me a, an extra part-time job as a telemedicine doctor. Mm-hmm. So I was in the ER doing the ministry and telemedicine. And so but I was like, part of my brain was always like, oh God, really? Like, you want me to work more? Like, ah, uh-huh. you know, it was like this tension. But I thought, okay, God, if you don't come through, like I can do the yeah. hours, but which is insulting in hindsight. And God, I mean, right. But think about it from like, really but God's you were, like- You but were God, saying, I'll ask God, but if he can't handle yeah, it, I'll I take care it. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. that. And like, now I look back and think like, it's rare that I've had to, like God has provided every time. Like, it's not like, oh my gosh, my savings are gone. Because I'm, you know, early on, we might have had to do a little extra, but really the Lord has just done it. and so, and so. That took on five and then it grew to like now I think we've got 25 families we support a month we have a food and so you're going out and fundraising for these families no I don't you know we just I'll tell you in a second how we do the fundraising but basically we in the last three years besides the medical trips now we have it's grown first it was one project then Nazi found me and found me a second project and then the third so now we do a food outreach where we cook meals uh, one of the refugees makes them and we give them as so the first one is the housing that's really geared to people who have gotten saved who are followers of Jesus who are being persecuted and need just help with their housing. It costs about five, four fifty to five hundred to support a family of uh, six people for a month. So we partially subsidize. So we want them to work too. So we're sure. just helping. And then so that's gone up to about I think we do twenty five families now, twenty to twenty five, depending on movings and you know people getting their papers and stuff. Then we do the food outreach came later, which is really meant for people who are seeking and searching and conversing with uh, seriously about the faith. And our goal there is when you show up to the house, you want a food is a love language in Lebanon. Yeah. So we they take a meal, a homemade meal. Many of the people who live there aren't eating healthy stuff. And so we do that. And I think we estimate we feed about five hundred people a month. Then we started an education and that's been 
been a, a lot of fun. We send people to school. And I think that ends up, we started with five in Syria college kids. They were now because stable. So we, they had to go back to college. And so we support them at a hundred dollars a month. And then since then we've added seven in Lebanon. And then, um, the last endeavor that we started, which is awesome. We just finished our first class. That nurse I told you about, who's brilliant. She came to me with an idea a year ago. And again, like you always go, all right, I thought about the money and stuff. Her idea was to train women to be nurses aides from the, she's, she has a clinic in the tent community. So she's working with them regularly. So she, I say to her, I was like, okay, well put together a curriculum and send me the proposal. I'm thinking like, okay, like 90% that's not going to happen. Yeah. So like a month later she sends it and I'm like critiqued it and go, ah, you need to do a lot more details. And I'm like, oh, she's going to get burnt out. She sends it. Yes. <laughs> so I look at the numbers and I'm like, okay, worst case, I'll just support it. Same again. And like, what a joke. I mean, God just doesn't, you know, it's like, it's funny that you, now I kind of laugh about it, but, but the Lord just, yeah, it was, so she just graduated the first class in May of 20 women and she did a 14 week curriculum. She's going to start the new one in the fall. It's a lot of work. She has a team of teachers. They've taught them CPR, how to put IVs, blood pressures, blood, you name it. And she gives them an optional 30 minute Bible study every she tells them you can opt out. Every woman stays. And wow. they have, I sat in those, they're better than most of the small groups I've been in. They share what God's doing in their life. They're in various stages of the faith. And uh, it, it's incredible what's happening there. So it's become part of my ministry story and born out of heartache yeah. and questioning like, God, what are you doing here? And so, yeah, I don't know. You know, I feel like a lot of, for the longest time, people are like, well, what do you do? Are you a doctor? Are you a Bible teacher? Are you a right? Hope is my currency hope, I think. I think, so our big living with In power, everything you do. It, that's our theme. And so, and the way I think hope, so where it's, so in the Bible, so we've got two big sort of umbrellas, discipleship and, and sort of this evangelism, discipleship, and then the global mission work, which is outreach. But it really all is hope. Bringing hope to the world is our vision statement at my ministry. And then specifically through biblical truth for everyday life. And so when I do the, whether it's, I have a thing called Insta Minutes that that just wrapped up where I went through the entire scheme of the Bible um, in three minutes a day. I do morning minutes, which is a verse by verse study of scripture in five minutes. I can say a lot in five minutes on audio. So, you know, all of these things, biblical truth for everyday life, which is a means of hope, right? Or you go and clothe them or yeah. feed them. And, and so God is good. He's really crystallized it more for somebody who, like an ER doctor, is maybe good at jack of all trades, hopefully master at some. But you see, you know, it kind of makes sense now 20 years later. Whereas when it was, the story was being built, a lot of it was like, wait, what? But God is good. And you do it, you know, one day at a time. All right, friends, I know you're loving the show, but let me thank the sponsors who make today's show possible. Today's show is brought to you by Rothy's. Have you heard about this company making stylish shoes out of recycled plastic water bottles? I'm not kidding you guys, it's true. Rothy's has quickly grown to a most loved, gotta have them brand. You guys know I've mentioned how much I like my Rothy's. I have a pair of the Scooter Red Flats, but with an added design detail across the toe, they're constantly launching new styles. So you're guaranteed to find a pair or two or three or four that you love. I love them because you know what I can do when they get dirty? I throw them in the washing machine. That is a life hack for you. Buy shoes you can wash, friends. It's like getting a fresh pair every laundry day. Rothy's are the perfect everyday shoes for life on the go. They're stylish and comfortable, and they come in ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns and styles like sneakers, loafers, points, and more. Plus, since Rothy's are seamlessly knit using thread made from plastic water bottles, they're ultra-comfortable as soon as you slip them on. Better yet, Rothy's has diverted over 35 million bottles from landfills already. 
Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash ivy. That's my last name, Ivy, I-V-E-Y. Shipping, returns, and exchanges are free, so there's no risk, no worries, no reason not to try. Go to Rothy's, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash Ivy to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability, these are the shoes that you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash Ivy today. Today's show is brought to you by Thread Up. Are you looking to shop more sustainably? Thrifting is an easy solution. Shopping with ThreadUp is always fun because there's new merchandise always available. If you're following me on Instagram, you've seen firsthand some of my secondhand finds. Also, I love how reasonably priced items are. You can get fabulous pieces for up to 90% off regular retail. It can be pretty expensive to shop sustainably, which is why I am hooked on ThreadUp and shopping secondhand. ThreadUp is the world's largest online thrift store where you can buy and sell secondhand women and kids fashion. They have over 35,000 brands like Anthropology, Ann Taylor, Coach, Lululemon, and more for up to 90% off estimated retail. Search by brand, style, and price to score Anthropology dresses from $13, Coach handbags starting at $25, and even Steve Madden shoes for under $20. The prices are insane, and ThreadUp triple inspects each item by hand, so everything is in high-quality condition. Some items even have their tags still on them. With thousands of arrivals every day, you'll never have to pay full price again. For a limited time, ThreadUp is offering our listeners a special deal for an extra 30% off your first order when you go to threadup.com slash Jamie. That's on top of the already low prices, so hurry and take advantage. That's ThreadUp, T-H-R-E-D-U-P.com slash Jamie. ThreadUp.com slash Jamie for an extra 30% off. Terms apply. Okay, here's the rest of my conversation with Lena. I love the way that you just told this entire story. (laughs) And so many times along the way, you're like, I don't know what God's doing. Yeah. And I thought we were going here and we end up here. And I'm wondering, how can he do this? I can take care of it myself. And then here you are. How old are you? 46? Seven this year. 47. 47. You know, you're looking at like 27, almost 30 years since you became a believer and you're still saying, God keeps showing up every single step. And look, you're doing missions. I know. And you, and it's funny that you would, you would think, you know, I've had some conversations I've been reading. I just interviewed, so she's on my mind, Jen Michelle. She has a great book, very serious thinker, but she talks a lot about remembering. And I believe that, like I see it in scripture, but it's a thing. Like you have to remember what God has done. That's like, how do you muster up enough faith? So I'm now I feel like we're in a bit of a, not so much transition, but a waiting season on the Lord, my ministry. We have a very small ministry team, but, but our, our human response is to want to be like panicked and fearful and like, oh, what are we doing wrong? Nothing. Wait, like there, that's, if we walk by faith and not by sight. If you had the answers, it wouldn't be a walk of faith. And if anything, it should get harder because your faith should get stronger, mm. right? But uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're so much like the Israelites and, and, and yet God is so gracious and I don't know, he's, he's so good. We just, my husband and I just walked through something that has been extremely faith building. And I said to him the other day, I said, I don't want to forget this. Yeah. Because you know how we do. Yeah. We move on. Yeah. And I said, I don't want to forget what this summer meant right. to us. And I don't want to forget what yeah. God did in our lives. And I don't want to forget how he showed up when right. we asked him right. to. So I was like, we need an Ebenezer. What are we going to do? Oh, yeah. Can we plant a tree or something? I don't know. If you have any ideas, I'm open for oh. um, 
But but I, you're going to tell me. All, no, all that to say is I think it's so good yeah. to really, really remember yeah. what God has done for you. Well, people journal, but my problem with journaling, I did it for years. I've never gone back to read. No, I don't journal. I never journal. I know. I'm like, you know, I did. I did. I was like one of those girls, right? Yeah. I would like write down everything. So, how do people get involved with what you're doing? Yeah. So, there's a lot of ways. I mean, our biggest presence is online. So, a lot of the fundraising we do, honestly, is through online. Rosa, the the wife of the dentist who comes on 90% of the trips, her son uh, created this tool we called Adopt the Box. And he was trying to get it going for YWAM. And I think we are its bigger user biggest user. So we always like post stuff, but we do, we basically our website, livingwithpower.org uh, or shegiveshope.com. Shegiveshope.com, we created in the last year um, after, it's funny, I went to a meeting with Carlos Rodriguez. Are you familiar with him at all? No. He's hilarious. He's uh, doing a lot of work in Puerto Rico, a man of God, and very active in 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 just controversial issues now, but with immigration and, and stuff. But he's just brilliant, high energy. And he had this Happy Sonship uh, website. If you, you might have seen his t-shirts online. They're great. But he is so good at sharing. Like, it's so refreshing when people share their genius, right? And so we created She Gives Hope modeled after Carlos's work and with his approval. I mean, it was yeah. a, he's a part of our journey. And so he, we, um, it's just a beautiful website where we sell product. We've created t-shirts that say hope and refugees and different things. And some more, you know, we try to make like stick out in the memory. Others very like very happy hope t-shirts. Yeah. We have jewelry. Somebody donated jewelry. A friend of mine had a Ugandan ministry. And these are women who used to be sex trafficked to make this jewelry. Mm-hmm. And imagine she donates them to us. So our, uh, basically the proceeds go to help the Syrian refugees. What a cool yeah. link. So that's been very popular. So one way is the shegiveshope.com. Uh, another way is um, is just following us on social media. I think a lot of the the the, uh, the uh, campaigns that we do are through social media. And every time I tell my assistant, Irina, which is basically we've got a ministry team of three, my friend Tina, who helps us with the social media stuff, but mostly Irina and I, and we'll be like, um, and we have a prayer, a couple prayer partners. I mean, so that's not fair. We've got about five. But but Irina is my only technically paid staff, and 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 really she can probably buy a taco every week, and that's like you know right. I like it. Yeah, so, I know. But she doesn't complain. She's like, I can live on that. Yes, <laughs> the Lord. But here's you want to hear a cool God story. So she's graduating with her master's now, and we've sort of been worried. She's an international student and working on her visa status. But but we were worried like, what does she do after she graduates? And I'm thinking like, dude, I'm gonna have to pay her for two tacos like instead of one. Like I'm not sure what I'm yeah, gonna do. Right. Because all our funds go really. I don't get paid from it. Yeah. And so I, I tell people in all honesty, like every dollar goes towards. What we're doing there. And so people have been like on radio, they'll hear like, that's where I'll get the random check for that might be a little bit bigger. And and the Lord just provides as much. But so Irina about a month ago texts me and says, you wouldn't believe this. Some woman at Trinity where we're based out of Chicago, basically was, who's not a Christian, but loves Trinity students because they're respectable, but wanted somebody to, to basically dog watch and has an extra like branch to her house, sort of like here nice, I would imagine. Yeah. And so she um, basically rent free. Irina got it out of all. There were many other candidates, but if you ever met Irina, you would know why. She is the most stable, responsible human on the face of the planet. She's like the, like the opposite Enneagram of me. Like, you know, she's just so stable and calm, but she uh, is a great asset to her and it's free. That's so how now, she can live off your one taco salary. Yeah, well, yeah, and this is exactly. And so yeah. it's all good. I don't you know. It I don't even have to pay one and a half taco. Yeah, yeah. She's happy. I'm happy. It's all good. God is no, good. God, God is good. Is good. <laughs> um, okay, so all those places. Now, do you take people on trips? Yes, yeah, yeah. So we take, if you're doctor, doctor, doctorly inclined, so whether you're a PA, nurse practitioner, What dentist, about like, I've seen yes. a lot of shows on TLC 
about delivering babies. Yeah, well, you know what's funny? And I, I watch I, those shows. I think I could do you it. You might be able to. Lena. No, <laughs> you would be able to run our pharmacy. So we have a. So every trip, inevitably, we take two or three. I can do three. more than that. I'm gonna need you to give me more responsibility. Well, I could no, deliver no. a baby. No, no. I think I could put no, an no, IV hang on. in too. Okay. All right. If it's a simple delivery, you got it. <laughs> no, but we, our pharmacy is the hub of everything. So inevitably in a medical trip, we've got two people who are lay people who we need. That is the high, the, the like hardest. Like they can count and read a label. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's like, it's a hard, it's truly when I say it's the hardest job because everybody's going through there. So we need help there. But also get this, this year, just in July, I took a team of, it was including me 11 people to run a children's camp. So we connect with the ministry on the ground. That was awesome. So I said all along, I'm not going to do it again because I had to organize it. The medical trips are organized by Rosa and I'm much more of a fixer than an organizer. And Irene, I was like, I think I'll take over the emails from now on. I screwed up the spelling <laughs> of people. We had to rebook their thing. It was a nightmare. And so now they're all like, just don't touch this. Yes, you know? right. <laughs> yeah. so, just fix people. So we took, so we're going to do it again. So we work with a camp on the ground. And so if you just want to just, we, it was Awesome. We built in a day to go visit families in the camps. It was just a lot of fun. Well, I would consider myself Dr. Lee. So I, yeah, you, I, I'm, you would, I'm definitely going to I have need... a special place for you, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you. It'll be called the happy doctor. Yes. <laughs> yes. I uh, I want to be you a part it. of it all. You so got it. there you a go. scalpel in hand. Yes. You got it. Yep. I'm in, you're in. I'm serious. Come on. I, honestly, I mean, the internet these days. You got it. I, you can Google anything just about. Yeah. I had Their a... Wi-Fi spot even. We can get yeah. you a phone on the ground. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a uh, injection done on my back about a year and a half ago, and I'm laying there on the table. And, You're like, hang on, doc. You know, I'm, hanging, I'm laying there on the table. The ultrasound thing's there. She's like getting her stuff right and everything. I was like, I said, uh, you feel good about, I'm nervous. Yeah. Like, you're going to be this ginormous needle in my spine. I'm like, everything okay back there? She's like, yeah, I, I, I watched Google last night. I feel good. And I was like, okay, funny, yeah. funny. I don't need your jokes, doctor. Right, right. I don't need your jokes. Just no, put but, the needle but, in my back. But, but people do that. Like, I'll be, when I, so now I practice. So, so how, people always want to know, well, how do you do everything? Uh, so God transitions. So we went from academia to private community medicine. And a year and a half ago, I stepped away from the ER. And that's when really the Lebanon stuff started. We can't go so much yeah. and be so vested. So now I do full time telemedicine. So like this morning, I spend the morning seeing patients. And so it works out and I can do it internationally. So I can- uh, You see them on the phone? Yes. Video and phone. So both. So I don't want you to go into any detail. You told me what you diagnosed earlier today. Did yeah. you see that no, on the no, phone? No, 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 but, 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 <laughs> no, no, but no, actually we can, I, I don't have any qualms about it. Well, we never get Oh, God spared us. God's grace. We never got to the other conversation, which is just as well. But yeah, I, sometimes I'm like, like I had a, I had a woman put a picture of something once and I'm like, really? Like, I think I could imagine that. Like there are times where what you're going it? like, well, it was, <laughs> it was on her private parts. Well, no, that I, it's a confidential, right? So it's a HIPAA protected site. So I, you want to encourage people to put pictures, but it was like, it was like a yeast infection and she has like something on her finger to show me what the district, I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm I, I, yeah. it's like a booger. It's like taking a booger uh, yeah, and going, yeah, yeah. look, you know, here's my booger. And I'm like, I think it's like when you're in the ER and someone goes, I brought my baby's poop. Do you want yeah, to yeah, see yeah. it? And every doctor you ever will meet is going to be like going, oh, I'd love to see it. But uh, don't you think you need to see no, it? Like you, you need no. to know what I'm talking about. No, we can imagine quite well. <laughs> like, I mean, it is pretty funny. I mean, it's okay. Like, I've never called the teledoc. And when I do, I hope I get you. Well, I hope you get if me too. If I get you, I'm going to be like, this is the best day ever. I know, right? No, it's funny. I, I do some speaking in the United States, obviously, and I'm on the moody spot for a minute, but I have had, especially there's certain spots where they play it more regularly and people will ask me, I think, well, I think I have a distinct voice that sounds like a man in the morning because uh, many of my patients call me sir until about 10 a.m. and then they transition okay. to she. <laughs> I'm always like, okay, thanks, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. Then, then 
it's awkward. Like you're, you're going, going to make it weird. I know. So I don't correct them. But on the fifth, then I'm trying to be deep so that they don't <laughs> feel bad about calling me sir because now it's really weird. And so, no, but they'll be like, your voice sounds familiar. And uh, yeah. You so do have a very funny. distinct voice. But it, to me, it sounds very Midwestern. It's like, I don't know maybe. what the Lebanon would sound like. Like um, if your mom was here or your dad, we all probably sound more different. distinct. You know, because of the time when we moved, some, yeah, some, my parents used to sound more era, but yeah, yeah it's a mess pretty much. <laughs> you sound very Midwestern to me though. Oh, very Chicago and really? Green Bay. Go Packers. Really? I can't even say it. Oh, Go Packs. That sounds Go like, Packs. Um, okay. Go I, good. Now I have a question for you as well. The Syrian refugee crisis yeah. that's happening and your hands yeah. on the ground, feet on the ground, getting to see this. Here's my question, and this is, we don't have time for okay. this because I think I'm opening up a can of worms here. I think that the question that I want to know that that I think a lot of people matters to me and other people is why does that matter to us here? Yeah, this is a great question. I think a couple of reasons. Number one, I think generally people say like, see where God is working and join him, right? So I think that's a big principle in life. And that can mean the homeless shelter down where you live in. Last night in Austin, I came and, I, and there's this block that really is heartbreaking where I was saying downtown, but where they, and I thought, man, my first thought was I was a little nervous. And then my second thought was, geez, I wonder what ministry could happen here. And so I think there's that. And so back in 2012, there was a crisis. It was the biggest, it is the biggest humanitarian crisis. Now for me, it, personally, Lena, it was logical because I'm Lebanese. I'm from there. I'm a doctor. I could do stuff. But honestly, I don't, before that I was doing other stuff in Tanzania and Africa and South America. And so, because again, you see where God is working and you go, and it so happens that there is a revival happening among Muslims right now in the Middle East, in many of the countries. It is like leading, right? So people talk about Iran and the home church. People, I can't get into Iran as easily as Lebanon, but Iraq and on and on and on. And so to me, most Christians, A, do it in your country. Fine. You don't have have to go to Lebanon, but it will set you on fire to see how people are responding to the gospel elsewhere right now. And so many of them who have now, like the people in the church who have come to Christ and you're seeing the first the kids and the moms and the husbands come to Christ, get baptized. Then they're moving because they're getting their papers to go to, whether it's to France or to Germany or to Canada, very few now here. And you're seeing them set their communities on fire Mm. there. So you can't, but like you can, if you want revival in your own Christian life, come with me for a week. I still have a thread on WhatsApp with a team that I took and I hear from them every three days, man, we miss it. This common missional life for a week. Everybody who's been on a mission trip understands it. One week trip, what does that do to the Syrian crisis? Well, more than we think, first of all, they love you even for a week or a day. But really in the big picture, if you want to be critical, maybe not as much, but it does something in our hearts. Yeah. And now if you come home and start praying and, and like my life, which is what am I going to do for Jesus? If you're asking that every morning, I don't care if you're opening a hairstylist shop and you're ministering to every person that comes through that door with occasional trips to renew your Christian excitement for Jesus, or if you, you know, save the world of you know, sex traffic victims like Chris Gain literally has done, you know, among others. But so I don't care where it is. God is going to use you and you're going to fall in love with him, which I think, so I think if you want to know how revival happens, position yourself into places. Why do people like to go to things like passion? And because there's something there, you see God doing something and it sets you on fire. And then over the years and the chokes of the world and the difficulties in the, you know, Western life, which I know it's comfortable in some ways, but we have stresses here of like all of the stuff, the insurances, the unexpected bills, the car, the driving, la, 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 the fighting on Twitter. And, 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 and now you, you get into a place like the meetings at Passion once a year or, or whatever your midweek event is and and or you go to a mission trip and you remember god there is a kingdom 
that we need to be aware of. And I think this is exactly what happens is your eyes are open to the kingdom of God. I love it. Amen, amen, amen to everything you said. And one of my favorite things that you've said in this entire hour is that you were continually asking God. And you said, after I, that camp, you said is when I decided whatever I did was going to be what God wanted me to do. Amen. And so you're continually asking what's next, what's next, amen. what's next. And I think that when I ask that question of why does that matter to us, what I just want women to hear is that when we when we go before the Lord and say, I will do whatever you ask yeah. me to do, sometimes it looks like yeah. medical trips to Lebanon, and sometimes yeah. it looks like you serve your heart out at your job and Amen. people come to know the Lord because of you. Amen to that. I mean, I yeah, there's a woman I work with at the ER who uh, was— was a Christian, but very kind of casual. And I've seen her life since I've known now I'm not in the ER. And she just sent me a text the other day and how God, her son, who just went to the Marines, sent her a text. And for four years, like I came to the ER, she started coming to Bible studies. God used obviously my being in the ER just to sort of talk about things that maybe people in the ER weren't talking about and how God set her on fire. And then she was ministering to her high school boys and the difficulty of that. And she just got a text from her son saying, Jesus is the answer. I'm getting baptized. This is wow. his first three months in the Marines. And she sends me the text and she's just sobbing in joy. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, that is no less a miracle than what's happening in the Middle East. And, right. and by the way, and, and the one thing I would say to her, it's, I, and I think I briefly when I submitted some information that you asked, you know, prior to coming here, like, I think it's deceptive to think, oh, well, she's an ER doctor. This is so exciting. She does global, but I'm whatever. I guarantee you, most of my days are me sitting in a room going, God, I'm on the right path mm. and be A, B, God. But I thought like I, my dreams, sometimes I feel like I'm so nervous. Like, God, are you trustworthy? I trusted you with the guy. And then he, he left and, and he married someone else. And then I trusted you with ministry. And then like the church thing blew up and, and like everything that I feel like it's the, my deepest desire I put before God. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know if you're so trustworthy. And, 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 and over, over again, if you wait and even with imperfect, I believe, help my unbelief, God, somehow, like you sit and talk about the story and you go, oh my gosh, how do I ever doubt you, Lord? You're mm. so awesome. And yeah, the story will sound this awesome, you know, heights of mountains, but what Oswald Chamber always says, it's like the valleys yeah. that where we live. Yeah. So. And you have these things to remember it by. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. That's what it sounds like even for you. You have yeah. these pivotal moments where yeah. you saw God. Yes. Like, solve a crisis, bring yeah. a miracle, do good, yeah. bring the money, make it happen. And where you yeah. can look back, and even though you say, you're you're yeah. just like us sitting there going, God, what are you going to do with yeah. this? When you tell your story, I see so many times yeah. of God, here's where he was, I think, here's where he was. Here's Jamie, was. I'll even say God has used you inadvertently. Like a year ago, I was sort of praying and thinking like, how are we going to get the word out about this stuff we're doing? And not, but just even like like feeling so disconnected from anything and like happening and women's ministry and meetings and sort of sometimes the frustrations. Because I think sometimes the longer you're in ministry, the more you know. Sure. And, and it can sometimes be so hard to navigate your way in it. And I think if you're listening and you're like a young, you know, 20 something and you have dreams to be in ministry, I think it's easy to make conclusions about how people are living and whatnot. But but as a person who is praying and seeking the Lord and just quiet, like literally like not seeing anything, but then God doing something like, and again, not that again, 1600 people are going to send in a check for the ministry. I don't frankly care. God will send it from heaven. Like I really firmly believe yeah. that. I don't want a dollar from anyone that doesn't feel led, led by God to do it. But it was more this notion. It wasn't even about getting the word about uh, She Gives Hope. It was more the notion that God put us on your heart. Mm -hmm. You don't know me from Adam. Yep. I walked in today. You've never met me never before. Met you. How does God do that? Mm -hmm. I think that is cool That's to me. That's cool. Yeah. And it's almost like God saying, I haven't forgotten you. Yeah. 
you know what? It's it maybe not a big deal to 1,500 other people that come on your shows, but for us who couldn't even remember the name of the show. Yeah. I called it the Jamie Ivey okay. podcast. It all comes full circle. Yeah. But to me, it was like just God sending me a little letter going, you are seen, you yeah. are not forgotten. And um, and to me, those that's what the, like, okay, take away all what we do for God. That's all secondary to our being mm. in relationship with, with Christ. With him, yeah. yeah. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. Well, let me tell you, I am so happy and honored that you sat down with us today and told us a story. I mean, it has renewed my faith in Aww. just listening to God, leaning into the calling that God's put on your life and what that looks like, and then trusting God with everything Amen. that you set out to do. Like, God, where are you going to do? What are you going to use me for today and for the next Amen. year? And it just feels, your story feels beautiful. Thank you. And I think that we could talk for seven more hours. I think so. I know. Because there's a lot more things. I do want to know this, only because I'm the doctorly type. Because I'm the doctorly type. What's the craziest? I I actually think of you now as the Dr. Jamie Ivey show. Oh my gosh. This is exactly (laughs) right. This is the new branding. This is the new show. I don't know what you're thinking. So at the end of every show, we're going to solve your medical crisis problem. So what is the craziest thing you've seen in the ER? Oh, everybody always wants to know. I don't know. Um, I mean, I've watched all the shows live in the ER. So I probably know. You probably have better stories than I do. I know, right? My stuff is so boring. There is no, like there's dramatic stories. There's sad stories, but there isn't like... I mean, ask. Okay, I have a real, doctor, I have a real question like, for you, though. Not not a funny question. Right. This is a very serious question. You've seen a lot, and you mentioned earlier you you yeah. you learn to be stoic in the hospital, right. and you take care of that stuff later. Um, how how is it? Like I, since I'm a podcaster, not a doctor. Yeah. Um, how is it to actually handle yourself when you're when you are? I've also never seen anyone die. Right. I feel like we just opened up a can of worms, but I do want to know, like, how do you handle that on an emotional standpoint and still be very professional? You do. I mean, I think part of the training in medicine is there is a part that really you take on. I mean, every doctor has had moments where they've cried in front of patients. There's not a shame for me to cry in front of a patient if I felt like it needed. Like the harder for me was death was telling a family their their kid has cancer, for instance, Mm. and knowing specifically certain types of cancers, you might not feel a weight with leukemia as bad as with a brain tumor because people with leukemia do better. So there's certain mental things that you know what the road's going to look like. Yes. So 
So I think it's 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 human to 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 feel, but you also I think in situations where someone's dying, you don't have the luxury of the time, and so you go into doctor mode. I mean, this is what you're trained to do. Imagine a surgeon is like, oh, I'm so emotionally. You can't. You've got uh. to function, and so you you learn that way. If anything, I think there's two challenges: one, to stay human, and I mean it, not to turn cynical and jaded. And there have been seasons where I've asked God, like in my spiritual life, I've seen like. God, I, I want to feel more. Like, mm. I feel like you learn not to feel. And I and so God does things. And then you're like, oh, I think that's I got it, I got right. it. But, but so that's one thing. And secondly, I think, you know, I think a blessing in my career has, is that I did practice pediatric ER. So our rates of death are lower, but it's devastating when there has been death, whether it's through a lot of suicide is when death happens or children, accidental toddlers, you know, there was the drownings in the mm. summer. Those are unexpected and sudden. And so I think... Um, you know, I think you just take it in stride and you try to be human. And I, I still, to this day, even on the phone, I feel like every conversation is an opportunity. And, and and I believe I can do it better on the phone. In the ER, it was so hectic that it was sometimes hard to stop in the moment and really feel the pain of the person. I yeah. think on the phone, I feel more human. Mm-hmm. In the ER, I felt like sometimes you ended up functioning just like a machine. Because you just have to go, you go, go. You have to. You're you getting, have to. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's a hard job. I mean, but so rewarding. Yeah. Well, every time I'm in the ER, I think all the doctors are having like coffee breaks. It takes so long to get back there. <laughs> right. I'm like, what are you right. people we, doing? We do like coffee. <laughs> I'm just Chinese just food kidding. is what yeah. it is, right? Yeah, yeah. No, just basically kidding. every time you eat Chinese food, an emergency comes in with someone dying. So I, I've learned not to order no Chinese broccoli and beef. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, Lena Abujamar. Abujamra. Abujamra. We're going we're gonna to do, I know, but I, I mean, the Jamie Ivey show, like we're one for one. I'm like we're one for one. Abujamra. Abujamra. Like Abujamra. Abujamra. I know, Abujamra. we create a little Yeah, for it, I know. But. Thank you for coming all the way to Austin. It's from Chicago. So Thank you for having me. And um, we will put every link that you have uh, okay. for people and we will let them know um, how they can even just follow you guys, just to, just to watch your mission and see what you're doing. And um, yeah, we do a lot of Facebook lives when we're on the ground and Instagram lives. And yeah, stuff. awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, ThreadUp, for sponsoring today's show. We all love to refresh our wardrobes once it's time for sweater weather, but it can be so expensive. That's why I shop at ThreadUp. ThreadUp is the world's largest online thrift store with 35,000 brands for up to 90% off estimated retail prices. Get 30% off your first order when you go to threadup.com slash Jamie. That's threadup.com slash Jamie for an extra 30% off today. Okay, you guys loved Lena, didn't you? I told you that you would. I will never lie to you. Also, who else at the end of this episode was ready to pack their bags and get on an airplane and go on a trip with her? I know she was just going along with my plans to be a part of the medical team on a trip, but do you guys know I really do have a secret dream to deliver a baby? Whenever I'm around my friends and they're like nine months pregnant, I kind of wish they'd go into labor so I could be a part of it. I want to be in on the action. I think I could do it. You can learn all about Lena's organization and support their work by visiting shegiveshope.com. You can also hear more from Lena on her Moody radio program and her podcast, The Hope Podcast. She's also an author, speaker, and teacher. All the ways that you are going to want to connect with Lena, we will show you in our show notes. Which, speaking of show notes, did you know every week we list all of the sponsors and all of the links that you might need? Everything is always over at jamieivy.com. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slockers, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is Ashley McCrary, and she blogs at The Healthy Little Peach. Mac, as her friends call her, is a food blogger and will soon be a published cookbook author. 
She sat down with me to talk about what faith has looked like through painful years of childhood wounds, struggling with self-worth and body image, and what life is like walking through PCOS. Mac is a ray of sunlight, and her vulnerability will be encouraging to us all. All right, friends, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. If you see my mama, tell her happy birthday. I'll see you guys next week with my friend, Ashley McCrary. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.